Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Rocket podcast. Wow, I have not said that for a long time, but it feels good. It feels good to be back. And I am back with a brand new series with a co-host for this series I'm very excited about. Um, Mads Fieldhouse, Mads Sleeraw. Um, she is here. <laughs> She's here for the first series. I'm not saying there won't be another one. Uh, the first series of Pandora's Box. And we are very, very excited to tell you that we're going to be talking about women's health, hormones, um, the menstrual cycle, anything and everything that women go through and have gone through and that we have gone through, we're going to be talking about. I am very excited about this. I it's going to like, be epic. Yeah, I feel like it's something that people need to speak about people don't really speak about and everybody wants to talk about it but doesn't really know what to say mm. and I think everybody's got a lot of experience in in different ways like around this whether they're competitors or not to be honest mm. um and I think it's exciting to sort of open up the box a little bit and talk about it and get some opinions and stories from people as well yeah and I think it's important to say like Mads and I talked about this before we started and hit record we are not experts Mads is a coach. I have been a competitor for a long time, as has she. We've been sharing the stage together for many years now. Um, but we're not experts. We will be bringing experts on to talk about specific scenarios. But this is about our experiences, because we've both been through the ringer with this, and things that people have come to us to talk about as well. Um, and Mads is going to have a huge amount of experience with that as a coach, with lots of females that have been in uh similar boats different sizes different oceans and everything else but um still we, we've all been there and and we just want to bring everyone together and help people feel like part of a, a pandora's box community love that. <laughs> love that so episode one what we thought we would do is give you a little bit of an insight as to who we are as people as women as athletes um and a little bit of our history and how we have got to to this point now, not just in our health journeys, but how we've got to know each other so that you feel like you know us going into the rest of the series. I think that is a great place to start. And I think everybody probably knows a lot about you already, Hannah. But <laughs> <laughs> you've been talking on this podcast for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll have a good natter about that. And I'm very happy to um, share where I have come from. And I don't know if you remember the first time we met, actually, but I definitely do. Go on. It was the first time we met, I, I'm pretty positive, was at my first ever show. Was it at the, oh, what was that theatre called? The It was, yeah, it was the two Rose British finals after lockdown. Yes. Yeah. And we, we were in the same class. Yeah, you beat me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I beat you, but I was like, like who is this not on size, like the <laughs> glutes. I was like, she's lost in bikini. She needs to go to wellness. Um, I was too big but yeah no yeah that was the first time I ever met you I think and I was like oh my god she's beat me this is not okay and now here we are <laughs> <laughs> oh god that was a long time ago that show was pretty amazing really and it was odd to to have gone from a lockdown to being backstage with all of these girls and it almost being like nothing had ever happened you all kind of wanted to hug each other but you're also a bit like should we hug right now or it was just odd people didn't really know the rules either then like 
anyone I feel like it was quite a busy show and a lot of people who may be listening to this potentially did that because there was like a year of no competitions Mm. and then there was no regionals there was just the British finals and in backstage everyone had like a little square to like Mm -hmm. fit in do you remember a little table yeah but then when you went into the tanning room there was 300 people being tanned in like a little (laughs) little backstage of this little theatre and I thought okay we'll just roll with this no really knows what's going on (laughs) but we'll just go anyway I think we're all um as competitors we're a bit of a a bunch of space invaders aren't we so you kind of get used to being naked around people you meet everyone over Instagram and the internet in general and then you meet them and it's like you've known them for years but you haven't and in any other situation like that you would not hug people and tell them your life story but we all do anyway don't we usually the first time you meet them is naked in the tanning booth next to them so you're like I've only ever met you on Instagram but now I've seen you completely starkers I guess we're friends yeah I remember being in that that um tanning tent looking over a girl opposite me both of us front on full on naked and I went oh my god babe how are you I've never met her before but I knew her from Instagram and I was really okay with it because I've done years and years of standing naked in tents with Manun out <laughs> but she, I don't think she had and she was like uh hi <laughs> um but yeah I think we all get used to that but tanning tents tits nuns and everything <laughs> to one side um tell me then about how you got to that point where you decided that you wanted to step on stage and and what what drove you to that given the fact that we'd been in a lockdown oh god I think I like I've always been super competitive I used to play like semi-professional football in the female industry obviously and then I started working with Mark Coles and a lot of you will know who he is back in the day when he wasn't really a business mentor and he was a PT and like online coach and he kind of was one of the first people out there really like pushing online coaching this was like a long way back I think I was still at university maybe this was seven years ago something like that and I toyed with the idea of standing on stage then and got super lean and ended up doing a photo shoot and we were like yeah you need to grow so then I went away again and grew a little bit and then fell back into football and then kind of stopped bodybuilding um and then I just kind of find my love for it again. I'd always continue to train in the gym. And I think lockdown gave me a good focus because I'd moved away from all my friends. I'd I'd actually moved down to the south in Essex for what was my previous job and actually became quite isolated. We was in lockdown. I had a little gym set up in my house and I thought, I'm just going to do this until lockdown finishes. Mm. Um, And I'd met Corey and he was sort of training me and and we just got to a point and he was like do you fancy doing this show like let's go for it like, I think you've got enough muscle let's do it and I'd always wanted to and I think that I'd never really had the right environment the right people around me to push me and I think that's why I'd never en- ended up doing it my friends never competed were never really very serious about their sort of fitness journey and I think that always ended up pulling me away and I see that a lot now with clients as well that like, it's something that unless you've got the support it can be really hard to really drive yourself mm. into what you want to do um so once I was kind of isolated down here and obviously had the, the support of Corey, um, if people don't know, Corey's my husband, Slee, Slee Raw on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he um, he pushed me to do it. And um, yeah, I think that that was kind of the start for me. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. And mm. then I competed and I was like, yeah, this is what I need to be doing. 
and then yeah from there it was just sort of head down and, and have never done anything since yeah and I always find it really interesting to ask what someone felt the first time they stepped on stage so when you walk past that curtain was it I like this or was it dread or was it nerves or what was it oh god I think that I was completely terrified the first time and if I remember rightly I think I did three classes and the first one I don't even remember what happened like I was I was like absolutely completely terrified and I just came out did my thing that I remembered I'd rehearsed 300 times and then walked off and I was like okay that's over really good and then I think the second time I was like yeah I really like this and then the third class I was like yeah I love this mm. and I was it was a bit unfortunate because I I was going to compete at the Ben Weeder I think it was like three or four weeks after and I had a holiday already booked at the same like once things had opened up so I couldn't do it but I was so excited to do it again Mm. and I think it was also the competitor in me was like I can do better than that Mm. because I did it and I was like oh I was a bit wobbly I was a bit I can do better I can do better and I think that self-punishment thing of like I want to do better I want to do better and prove that I can do better the next time I stand on stage and for me I think that's what gets me excited is that every time you do it like you're a bit better and a bit more polished and I think for me it's that chase of like perfection that I was like yeah I love this I want to do more yeah um I think we could probably all agree that there's little that little person inside of you that little feeling and voice that's like nah we can do we can do more we can get leaner we can get bigger we can show more we can yeah it drives you to do that next show um but that's interesting that you kind of with each class that you got a little bit more excited about it. And I think this year from working the shows and meeting so many athletes, I see that they'll they'll do like a junior class or a beginners or something. Then you'll see them pop back up at the novice and then they're not as nervous. They're a bit excited, but they're like they're pumped. Like they're yeah. excited. Adrenaline's and then they come back a bit for of their, time to settle then as well. Yeah. They come back for their open class and they're like almost popping off because they're so eager to be on the stage. And that that's nice to see. And you know that those ones are going to come back. Do you do you find as well that I mean, you've competed for a long time. You've competed for longer than I have. But now you are on the other side of the fence a little bit. And I don't know if you've I don't know if you've done any podcasts since you've actually been doing working for two bros backstage. So this is a bit of a new thing for you. I suppose you can talk about a little bit. But being on the other side of that curtain I guess do you find it as exhilarating because depending on probably the level of show you're at as well Mm. or and and do you get the the vibes off the athletes does it excite you like to see them doing what they're doing and and almost get a little bit hyped for them when you see your friends side stage like nothing compares to that that's actually and probably people wouldn't believe me but there aren't many people that have been in my shoes so you have to trust me on this one but to see your friends like looking on point so excited and so ready to go on stage and to be the last person to speak to them and you look them in the eye and you go let's fucking go that there's nothing quite like that because you're the last person to speak to them before they have their moment and then when you get to put the medal on them that's just that's unreal it's unreal yeah, that's you get nice. to look right in their eye and you can see that they're like they're either brimming with the excitement or they're on the edge of tears. And that that's levels for me. You like that's never going to be better than that. Yeah, that's um, nice. You get but, to be a voice of support as well. Like you get yeah. to actually be there because a lot of people go backstage and they haven't necessarily got their coach there or their partner or their friend or someone 
with them backstage. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing a and to be fair to you, like whether people know you or not, you are a familiar face in the bodybuilding industry, whether they personally know you or not, like to see a familiar face backstage giving you that bit of enthusiasm and saying, you know, you've got this. Yeah. I think I think that's lovely. I think that's so nice. It's it's quite cute when um you get like maybe one of the the new bikini girls that comes along and I'm like running around or whatever and you just hear like Hannah and someone shouts your name you turn around and you don't know them but they're like I just wanted to say hi and and they're so excited to be there and they're so like they're just so happy and then they automatically give you a hug coming back to what I was saying earlier on all personal space goes out the window in our industry and it's lovely because you stand there you meet someone that's so excited to not not only be on stage but to meet you and you're like well who the fuck am I um but it's so nice and obviously they feel like they know you like you say so you have that little moment and then when they're about to go on stage you get to do that all over again with them yeah it's nice so that's, yeah that's really nice um it's not so nice when you see people who are maybe a little bit bitter and then maybe bad sports persons and I've no. been there I've been a shit sports person post coming off stage and not getting the result I wanted um I think it's I natural think... to feel like that though sometimes I think that can't be helped and you're not unhuman or unhumane for being somebody that comes off stage and you're bitter and you're a mm. bit frustrated. Mm. I think I think practice gets you better at being a good sportsman, 100%. Like, this is going to sound awful, but the more that you lose, the better you get at, like, oh, being a loser. You Because it's you can't win everything and, and you have to be humble and, and be like, okay, well, that's fine. But initially, and I think, I think, like, my first competition at the British, like, I was like that. I came off and I was like, I was like super miffed. And I was like, hang on, I look back now. I was like, what were your expectations? Like, it's the first show you've ever done. Like, what are you yeah. expecting? Like, be, be, like, be proud. But I think it's very normal to come off stage and just be frustrated. Like, everyone puts a lot into prep, don't they? So that's okay as well. It I is. And I completely agree. Like, it shows, I always say to someone, it shows that you care. And if you weren't upset at not getting the placing, whatever placing that was, um, if you weren't upset about not getting that, then you wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. So I think it's important that you allow yourself to feel. But it is hard seeing someone being a bad sports person at the impact of other people. So like if you're on stage and you don't agree with your placing, I've had people walk up to get their second place medal when first place walks over. They say a really snidey remark yeah that's not on and I I literally will just go to them nah don't do that yeah don't do that you can feel however you want to feel but that's the downside of it do you kind of see some ugly stuff sometimes which isn't so nice yeah well that's that's not nice you're okay to feel that way but you should like place into places you've also got to be happy for somebody because they've done equally as much work as you and yeah. if it's their day it's their day and that's yeah. fine that's fine so there we go so what are you doing now anyway just off the back of off the back of that conversation I am hench bikini girl just (laughs) absolutely massive man to be honest (laughs) I'm prepping for 212 next year (laughs) um, so I was fully ready to go into a long off season I've been competing like you said for a long time 2018 2019 
2020-2021 all in a row and I did like three shows a year so I was fully ready like I came off stage in Denmark um and I went oh, I'm good and I knew like I think that's the difference as well like a lot of people take it to the point where they hate it and then they don't mm. want to do it again just yeah. cut the cord when you are riding the high yeah and I knew in myself I was ready to take a long off season and I'm just gonna look back at the pictures and I'm like girl needed to grow a bunda <laughs> She needed some muscle. And you need some time for that as well. Like, you need mm. time. There's no three-month off-season. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, peanut butter. But, but we talked about this in our DMs the other week. Um, I think this lends quite nicely to what we were talking about, about female health and, and what females need to do in this sport. Um, and, and I said to you, well, I've had off-seasons before that were a decent amount of time. And you completely pointed out to me that, well, once you've done your reverse out of your diet and then maybe you're in you know, a maintenance for a bit, then you finally get into your uh, surplus. Then what you're in a surplus for a few months before you come back down for prep again. So you might take a six month or an eight month off season, but it's not. It's three months. Yeah, I think people forget that. And I think coming back to the health situation and, and the, the whole topic of this of this podcast and this series is that health is very important and not only like do we need the off season to grow we also need it to get health markers in place more more so for female athletes than males and I think that's something that's missed by a lot of people as well and sometimes you know we need to understand as coaches like myself and me and Corey that males and females are so different yeah and not only the time it takes to build muscle the difference between a male and a female just because of natural hormonal levels also women's hormones take such a hit when we go into prep that it does take time to rebuild this so you're right like if somebody competes starts competing in the summer and then they go all the way to the British finals for PCA for two breasts for whatever that might be in the mm. October and they reverse out and they start building around Christmas January February if they want to compete in the summer again they have to start prep in the February mm-hmm. so they literally spend three months in a, in a healthy surplus now that's 25 percent of the year like it's not enough time it's just not enough time not to really grow and to really I think sustainably you might see like your health markers come up if they've been down but it's for such a short period of time before you pull them again and I think yeah if you do they're that not every staying single, no and if you do that every single year that mm. is going to take a hit on your body that is mm. going to for sure I think I definitely saw that um myself I just kind of touch upon the health markers and the impact on my body um I did a post yesterday about hair loss for example yeah so in my first prep I'm happy to talk about um like things that I did that maybe I wouldn't do again so in my first prep I used um t3 um which plays with your thyroid and silly of me really I, I didn't know enough about it and in hindsight I would never touch t3 again for that reason um and it along with stress and then my hormones being affected I was moving house I've had a breakup of a relationship I was in a prep for a long time my first prep was like 10 months um I put hair extensions in I literally threw every stress at my hair and it went nah fuck this we're off and it never really fully recovered again because like you say I went in and out of preps for four years yeah yeah, it's it's a big impact on your body. And I think even even just the whole stability of just being stable at a position, like having periods of maintenance, I think are really important in 
any kind of fate in any kind of any kind of journey that somebody is on to and from stage like we'll go through surplus phases we'll go through deficit phases but even periods of like holding where you're at and Mm. just letting your body not just not second guess all the time even being in a surplus people think being in a in a healthy and inverted inverted commas surplus is like oh yeah okay well that's really healthy that puts a lot of stress on our body like eating a large amount of food like training really hard all that recovery like that also causes impact you know you can be overtraining, asking too much of your body and then also health markers can go can go down in the opposite direction so mm. it's not just about being right at the bottom of the scale but also pushing too much at the top of the scale can do exactly the same thing yeah so so let's break that down then um so for people that are listening and are thinking well I'm in a healthy surplus let's look at the pros and cons of said healthy surplus so initially I think we're all guilty of this post-show we get all the goods in and we're like yeah I'm going to use this for training I'm going to eat a cookie and the next day it's going to go towards training and cookies lightly I'm talking people go out have a free course meal of burgers chips ice cream and everything else and they think oh that's going to go towards training but actually like you say that's a real stress on our organs and our digestive system and our heart health and everything else yeah 100 percent. I think that the biggest the biggest thing I see, and it isn't necessarily going out for the burger and chips, it's the sustained overeating in mm. that period. So you'll find as well, and people have something like that, burger and chips, or they might eat they might eat 10 cookies, or they might mm. eat, I don't know, they'll go in. The next day or a few days later, they'll be like, oh my God, this food's amazing. I look amazing. I've got such great pumps. It's amazing. That very quickly materializes from great pumps when you're super lean over a 72 hour window into materialized body fat like yeah. it happens so quickly and the and the and the body just is having to work so hard like I don't know how you track like your heart rate for example but your resting heart rate is probably like I don't know 50s somewhere yeah. if you have an off-plan meal when you wake up the next day is your resting heart rate about 70 oh yeah 100 percent right I so go you're... from like 52 resting to 76 yeah, that is probably where mine sits, right? Yeah. Even just like 15 rolls of sushi in an evening, like I can wake up the next one and my heart rate is high. And I've I felt like I've had a good sleep, but I wake up like a bit sweaty, like I'm hot. Yeah. Like your body works so hard. Now, if you're sustainably doing that all of the time, like your body is motoring, it's working so hard. Um. So yeah, it's it's a, it's another example, and I think that, I mean, we can talk about post show, and I think that's a whole other topic. But oh yeah, it, definitely. But yeah, it it's very easy as well then and I see often with people is they tend to get this if they reverse badly and they go a little bit in on food they get like this post prep cold and they get ill yes because their body is like working in overdrive and the immune system is like just in absolute turmoil doesn't know what to do and they get ill Mm. um so yeah that that control is is important again that has a detrimental impact on health though it is both ends of the spectrum even like coming out into a surplus has to be controlled still has to be managed in a healthy way um just just like going through a prep and yeah I think I think people do think oh it's over now so I can just go back to normal well you can't like yes. once you've committed to a prep when I say to a client like when you commit to a prep you're also committing to the reverse yeah you can't just decide to prep and then that's it like even if you never want to compete again you have to commit to like eight to twelve weeks after as a minimum for a reverse like you that that's your that's your prep window like you can't just compete and then that be it. Like it, it will just ruin you. 
emotionally as well yeah and I think as well I think we've probably been there both of us a female's post show and um, our health afterwards is very very different to a man so you're with your partner um and, and just talking literally like opposite sex relationships here you're with your partner and he's going in on that three course meal he's maybe having something extra post-workout because he fancies it um and you're sitting there and you're eating 20 or 30 grams of cocoa pops and you're like what is this shit because you just can't do the same as them you are not a hundred kilo man you're a i don't know depending on your height you're between 50 and maybe 70 kilos on stage and it it i think that's something that a lot of women need to get their head around we don't function on in any way the same as men do if you yeah. ate the same as they did post-show say they do their 1000 uh, 10,000 calorie challenges or 20,000 calorie challenges yeah oh my god we'd be in bits and I'm talking night sweats not just a little bit warm overnight I'm talking looks like you've pissed the bed yeah yeah so night sweats they're very very common in women um men get them but they also don't talk about them and men's temperature just runs higher than women most of the time anyway um and then water retention is massive as well and and people talk about i'm carrying a bit of water because i had an off-plan meal and i think that gets desensitized and people think oh carrying a bit of water post shows normal well it doesn't need to be and actually water retention is really dangerous yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think this is something that probably people only in a relationship post-show will realise. But I, even not post-show, even like in the off-season, just having an off-plan meal, say like me and Corey can have something together, like I can probably get away with 25% of the amount he can and mm. one cookie. And he could eat three times the amount, wake up in the morning half a kilo up and I'll wake up 1.2 and I'm like, yeah. OK. <laughs> like. I'm still eating 400 grams of carbs on a normal day. Like, how is this possible? But it is. And we do need to understand that. And that comes back to, like, the hormonal thing as well. You know, guys generally will have a high amount of testosterone, even mm. a natural guy, in their system. And us as females do not. Some females have a lot lower. Some of them have higher. But generally, like, it's a very, 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 very fractional amount compared to a male. And just the way that we operate, the way that our body composition sits because of those hormonal differences makes a huge difference to the way that we're able to utilize food. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what people um, don't necessarily realize. I mean, they do if you speak to them about it logically, like people understand that. But I think as day to day, like making decisions, I think it's like massively overlooked that we're just so different. We are a different breed in every possible sense. Um. You obviously touched upon that briefly about women's testosterone um, and, and men's being different. And I think that that's potentially something that women overlook. We talk a lot about estrogen and progesterone and ostradiol and like our cycles and things like that. Um, but I think people forget that women do have different test levels. You can have higher or lower test levels. And it doesn't mean that it's going to manifest like a big jaw and Adam's at all. It just means that maybe some people are going to be uh, going to find growing muscle easier than others. 
But also, what a lot of people won't know, is that testosterone actually drives estrogen and progesterone within the body. So that's equally as important. But when we're thinking about our cycles, I think people forget that and then maybe they have like their bloods done and they don't think about to check their test or whatever it may be um and I also don't think that unless you've been in this sport a while I don't think that like early onset um competitors would even consider doing their bloods no I think I mean everything you said there is bang on and there's a few things to touch on there I think there's the fact that Males and females obviously both have testosterone in their system, both on very, very different levels. And people see testosterone as like this male hormone, like a male sex hormone. And that's great. But females have it just Mm. like males have estrogen, like shock, like males also have estrogen in their system. Like we both have very different levels because we have different sexual functions. But women have testosterone. And it's also very, very important, like for our function, like you say, for other hormonal balances and production and I think that there is this um, perception around like natural athletes and this is something that we've spoken about before Mm. that when natural athletes think they don't need to worry about their bloods and they don't need to worry about their health markers so much because they don't take any assistance or any kind of like fat burners or whatever you want to call the things that a lot of bodybuilders use to assist them through through a prep or through an off season they don't use these these things and they therefore think that they don't need to check their bloods and what this natural athlete might be is that maybe they are quite sit on the very low spectrum of testosterone so then they don't function quite as well as maybe some people or some females and maybe they're on hormonal contraception which has an impact on the estrogen and progesterone naturally within their body or stops the production of it pretty much at all and yeah. therefore the impact that that then has on other parts of of their um their journey and how their body responds to things and i think that it's really important to not go into this in too much detail because you know we're not like like hannah said at the beginning we're not um we're not female health specialists like it's not mm-hmm. our job like we we both understand a certain amount and as a coach I need to understand a level of an amount but I still bring on you know I have consultations with experts to ask questions around things I don't know have the knowledge of because it's you know it's not my speciality Mm. but people do need to understand that it is important in all aspects whether you're natural whether you're not in whatever phase you're in is to actually get your blood checked to make sure you consult with somebody who does know what they're talking about or can put you in the right direction for somebody who is because it we do need to take into account all of these things because they have such an impact on our muscle building, on our fat loss, on our general mood, on our libido. And I think people don't, you're right, they don't realise that. And and for females, like testosterone plays a massive, massive part in, in how we just function on a daily basis. Mm. Um, and I think as well, a lot of this stuff gets hidden in a prep and you just hear things being thrown around. So you touched on libido there. And, and you earlier on, you touched on people getting colds post prep. The amount of times I've heard jokes about people losing their sex drive towards the end of a prep and they just go, well, it's prep. <laughs> Who wants to have sex anyway? Or like, oh, like I wouldn't want them to touch me right now because I, and this goes for men and women. I've heard it from both. I wouldn't want to touch me right now because I'm just so lean. It's horrible. Or God, the. there's nothing there's no chemistry left for us right now we'll get that back after prep and it doesn't have 
to be like that. But if you are seeing those signs, guess what? That's your body's way of telling you my hormones aren't in a great pace right now. Like it's it's a luck. Your hormones are seen as a luxury item, your cycle, whatever that may be. Men's um, production, it, it's all seen as a body's luxury item. So if in prep you're going, well, I don't want to have sex anymore um, and you're having hot sweats or cold sweats or you're starting to feel ill but you're not actually getting ill until post prep when you everyone always goes oh that post prep cold like it's standard it doesn't need to be and something I found is that when I reversed properly properly this last year I didn't get the post prep cold because I still kept eating my veggies and I didn't like overeat um on sugary things i just did exactly the same thing and my body thanked me for it yeah 100 percent. and i think there's a big thing about um i wouldn't just say like body thanking you physically for like following that through but then mentally not being in a good place now so i think that although we're talking about hormones here like i do think that it's all encompassing in one thing because you can if you have a really negative relationship with yourself because you haven't reversed well and therefore you don't feel great and your hormones don't come into a good place your libido is low your general mood and energy is low and then you look at your body composition mm. and you feel disgusting because you just didn't follow things through properly the mental impact that has just has a negative impact on your your local environment anyway so whether in your relationship um so it all comes back round together and i think that if people I don't think it's that people are naive to the importance of it, but I just think it's something that is just so uneducated in, in the industry and in general that people just don't understand the importance of like the, the hormones and, and getting these back and making sure that we are functioning properly as females and the way to do that, such as reversing properly, such as getting blood done through prep, through off season and making sure you're actually in a good place to, before you even start prep instead of making mm. things worse if they're not even in a good place. Yeah, definitely. And and people actually being in a, a healthy position in general. Um, but I think it's down to a, a lack of education. And, and, and there's a number of things around that. Like I even have girls come to me and they're on their pill and they'll say they're on a pill and they'll say. Oh, in my last prep, like I was on my pill, but I lost my period. Like I, I never, I've never lost my period before. And I'm like you don't have a proper period you're on the pill Uh, it's not a thing you don't have a period you're on the pill or you know I've got an implant but I have like a period every month no you don't have a period like you don't that's not what that is and you have a bleed you have a bleed yeah Yeah. and and that may or may not come based on if your body decides it needs to do that or not it's not really based on based on anything other than 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 that you're not in control of a cycle because you don't have one because you have synthetic hormones and and people don't understand that as well I think and and that's down to a manner of different things but that's something we'll talk about from people's experiences I think on another on other episodes but there's a lack of education around what people are even taking themselves and the impact that's having on them yeah forget bodybuilding for a minute just their general life yeah and and like you say this is not athletes this is like your cousin this is your sister this is just the women in the supermarket we as a and and obviously we talk on this like you say with the questions that people have come up with I will actually speak on this from my experience like you and I have talked about the the struggles that I've had off the back of using the pill for it was around 10 years I think um 
but it's it's the in my opinion again opinion not expert <laughs> um i think it's doctors uh, were so afraid of teenage pregnancies and abortion rates or termination rates for someone wanting to use that word instead that they drove our generation to using contraception because that was seen as top tier and actually when I went on it I don't know about if you've been any on any contraception but the doctor never said to me okay you're going to stop having a period now no one ever explained it to me until 10 years down the line where I was in the situation I'm in um, and again we'll talk about that on another episode that someone went oh no 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 you you haven't had a period since you were 18 17 18 you've just had a bleed and I was like sorry what like that's mental that that hasn't been explained to people if you are synthesizing hormones in your body male or female your body's not doing that for you anymore you're just putting it in instead and it's very similar the pill to to put a real red flag out there for people the pill is so similar to men using testosterone for um, assistance with bodybuilding yeah exactly the same it's the same thing that's why men do um is it pct afterwards yeah because they're just taking the test out and that is dangerous to do but no one tells women that it's dangerous to just come off your pill and do nothing about it yeah I think yeah I mean it's I mean this is a this is the whole Pandora's boxing isn't it it's a big it's a big thing to open and without without being um without being super negative against any kind of health professional that we've ever even (laughs) ever spoken to because that's also not fair but I think it's also it's it's down to like um it's a responsibility thing about just sharing what we know now and not not um not giving it as an education like these are the facts but giving the facts from what we've got from experience and saying okay well this is a situation we were both in because similar to you like I um I went I remember it very clearly like the the doctors was very close to to my my mum's house where I used to live and I was 16 and she took me down there one day because I had a boyfriend and she was like well, I think I need to speak to the doctor. And I was like, oh, right, OK, right. So I'm trundling down to the doctors. And they were like, well, something that I really recommend is having the um, the implant put in your arm because you don't have to remember to take a pill or anything. And um, it's just it's progesterone. So it's and it's the same all the time. So you don't get those peaks and troughs. And I was like, oh, right, OK. So I was 16 and I got the implant put in my arm. And then yeah. I literally have never, ever, ever had anything different apart from have it out and replaced out and replaced when my little yeah. cards that I carried in my purse told me that it needed replacing and I remember once reading something in a magazine I was like sat at hairdressers and I like read a little article about someone who'd um what I don't know if they couldn't have a baby after they'd like had it taken out and they, there was like this story that they'd written mm. and I remember going to the doctors and, and asking about it and they said well what we could do is, because that's progesterone only all the time, and you can, can't just stop it whenever you want because it's in your arm, we could take it out and we could put you on the microgyne on pill. So I think we should do that. And I was like, oh, OK, then. So then I went on the pill for like three months and I hated it. And it made yeah. me like I've never felt like any kind of hormonal way in my life. But it made me, honestly, from oh a period gosh, of yeah. like... So we lost a connection there. So you went on to the microgynon pill. So I went on to the microgynon pill and 
for about three months and felt terrible. Mm. I felt terrible, like like emotionally all over the place. I rallied in weight gain, um, but not doing anything different. Super active kid, I say kid, like young, young, young adult, adolescent, and went back to the doctor and said, I don't like this, I'm not getting on with it. And they said, oh, we'll put the implant back in your arm then. So I had the implant put back in my arm. And then I just continued it ever since. And I had that for 12 years. So I I was in a position where then when I wanted it out, once I got into bodybuilding and over the last, I would say like probably last 12 months, like really started to understand why this stuff is so bad for us. Mm. And was like, I need this out of my body. I went to the, I rang the doctors and couldn't get in. They put me on a waiting list, couldn't get out of my arm. Um, and I waited for like three months, rang them up again. No, you're still on a waiting list. Can't get it out yet. Uh, we haven't got many clinics, you know, we're inundated after all the COVID. COVID, by the way, was like two years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if anyone, if anyone's listening to this now, COVID, COVID-19 started in 2019. <laughs> No, you're like um, you don't get a parcel and they're like covid you're like what do you mean stop it <laughs> <laughs> using that in 2030 i was like yeah okay and um essentially i was on a waiting list for such a long time to get it out and it actually ended up being like it ran out in terms of the expiry and still in my arm and i was like like what am i supposed to do with this like i don't want it i don't want this this contraception in my arm. I don't want these hormones which will still be working to an extent like whether it's run out or not it doesn't just cut off on one day mm. and I don't want this in my arm anymore and I got my blood stern and I mean we can I'll go into this maybe I can go into this now but I had my blood stern and my testosterone levels were sat very 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 low obviously my natural like estrogen progesterone was just like in the floor and it actually reads as like menopausal like yeah. that's that's what my blood's read as was menopausal blood, menopausal estrogen in the floor test at the bottom of the scale, like not just below it, but like literally sat at the bottom of the scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, progesterone in the floor, like my body was just like, yeah, you're basically um, postmenopausal. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's probably why like, I don't really have libido and that's why I feel really shit. And yeah. that's why like my weight loss is a little bit slow at the beginning of this prep and I feel a little bit rubbish. And I was like, yeah. mm, that makes sense. Tick, so, tick, 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 tick. So can I get this out of my body? And the, and what is awful about these things when it's like that is the, the doctors have such a hold over you because I, I can't take it out myself. Mm. Like, so I, it's like, it's out now and like, I can talk, I'll talk about, you know, coming away from it and getting my period back, which I was very lucky to get very quickly, may I add. But I was in a bit of turmoil. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, mm. I've had this contraception for so long and I don't want it. And my bloods were just like, obviously just sat like on the floor and mm. probably had been like that for a very long time and I just didn't know and that's literally because you know no doctor ever said to me when we put this in your arm the side effect is that you are going to basically feel or your blood are going to represent like a post like menopausal female mm. from the age of 16 like excuse me what mm. um so yeah so now I'm Go How on. did that make you feel when they said that to you, like everything's in the floor and you realised whether they verbalised that to you or not, but you realised that on paper you were postmenopausal. How did that make you feel? When I, I mean, no one told me. I just like read my bloods and was had to work it out and understand that myself. Mm. 
and then looked at the brackets and I was like okay so that's what this means and I was like that's actually really bad Mm. and it made me feel it didn't make me feel like it, it just made me feel like this is totally avoidable like why why do I now I've got the answers as to why I feel this way like if I'd known this earlier, like I would never have chosen this route to feel this way or to ha- to be in this position. And it it sent me into a little bit of desperation and I got a little bit upset for a while because I thought, I, d- I just want rid of this now. Now I know the answers, like I don't want it, but I couldn't get rid of it. So that, that was what was really difficult. Um, and then since then, my main turmoil has been and feeling has been like, okay, well, if I've been in that state for such a long period of time, like when I remove that, is my body just going to bounce back, which I would hope it would, but I don't know that it would. And if it doesn't, like, where does that leave me? Mm. So and that brings me on to like getting it removed, which I did get eventually. But I did have to cry wolf a little bit. I rang the, I, I kept ringing the clinics and I said that I had another health implication, which has meant that I need to get it removed so I can like go ahead with another procedure. Um so they bumped me forward and, and got it taken out, basically. Um, it's mad that you, you're forced to be in that position to tell a white lie just to get yourself, get mm. to, to essentially go to a health professional to get yourself healthy. They're so against you being healthy that you have to lie about being in a worse state of health, one that they consider to be important, not your female health markers, for them to get that out of your arm that's just wild to me yeah I, I mean they just because when you call up and it's not it's not their fault you call up and you speak to a receptionist don't you or an admin mm. and then they're just looking at a diary and they're like well we haven't got any clinics or availability for a period of time but I think it's just not taken it's not that it's not taken seriously but it's just it's an admin task isn't it someone needs to change of contraception they need to do this they need to do that and I think like part of the one of the passions as to why we decided to do this podcast was like if we can intervene a little bit and give people a little bit more knowledge around what they're doing, then maybe they'll be a bit more pushy on the phone or maybe they won't. Maybe they'll think, actually, I don't need to take this pill. So I'm not going to, I can do something different. And, you know, we're also mean you are not naive and, you know, I'm in a relationship where I also am in a position where I do need some kind of contraception because in whatever capacity that is because I also don't want to have a baby at this point in time you know Mm. that that would be you know if I'm in a position where I can that's amazing but it's not something I'm planning to do so I'm also not naive in saying oh everyone should just bin off contraception and have nothing but there are non-hormonal methods out there that I believe can be given a go tested tried and see if you get on with them and see if they're successful as a first port of call before you then like have to go and choose something that is like really what would I would consider to be the bottom of the list of part of the pile I am couldn't agree more with you on that everything you just said I agree with wholeheartedly and I I don't want to speak for you um you might agree with me but I'll speak on my own feelings on it that If I had listened to two women talk about their experiences and their their health problems now as a result of taking that tiny little, because they always make them cute, don't they? That little lilac pill, the little (laughs) yellow pill. It's just, oh, just pop that in. It's got a sugary coating. It's, It's harmless. That's what they want you to believe. That if I knew the health implications that, now sitting here as a 32 year old woman that I would be going through 
I would have never touched it. I wouldn't have gone anywhere near it. Yeah, I I don't think, and I've not spoken, and to think this is probably proves the point a little bit to any of my clients who are taking a pill or have taken the pill and have and have come and asked me the question that doctors are, are now still not giving that full information mm. because they're uneducated around mm. what they're taking and they know they're taking the pill and they roughly know what it does but they don't really know what it does um and 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 they and essentially it's because they don't really know because when they've been given it no one's explained to them like what it physically does inside your body and that is the result and therefore that's why the pill works yes. everyone just says the pill works because it does this but no one really explains like why it does that yes and that's that's the important thing and then the long-term health implications because ultimately you're right if you turn off your reproductive system for a long period of time your body's going to have to kick that back into motion and sometimes like that doesn't happen you know like it doesn't happen and 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 that's a sad thought that somebody can spend so long of their life trying not to get pregnant and then when they do try to as soon as they take the method out that stop them from being able to that is the thing that prevents them then being able to like it's super sad Sad. yeah so I'll I'm I'll go into detail like obviously we talked about uh, doing episodes that are solely around our experiences Um, yeah but just to touch on it a little bit what you just described is me yeah so um I've been going through this for two years now um and it's it's actually I hope people realize how scary this is like put yourself in my shoes I haven't had a period since the middle of March 20 well just before lockdown started 2019 wow and and they've just told me that's not going to come back for you so I have to have medical intervention to get this to come back um and they are trying to avoid doing anything other than just chill out don't train as much you do too much like (laughs) stop telling me that it's not it's not gonna change but but that's again so coming back to what we get told I think there's also an element of they don't volunteer that information but also I don't think that we were educated in school or our parents wouldn't have known because they weren't educated about it to say, like, you need to ask these questions. Like no one offered the information, but we also didn't know what to ask to get that information. We didn't know where to go. And we're in between that. Those age groups where we grew up without the Internet, the Internet got introduced and so we didn't have all the answers there were some out there but you didn't necessarily know to google it or to go to ask Jeeves like it wasn't a thing was yeah. it now everyone googles everything but when we were 16 and 17 if the doctor said to you do this you went okay okay you're the doctor of course yeah. I'll do that yeah 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 if a of teacher course. told you to do something you did it if your parents told you to do it you did it if a doctor told you to do it you did it and your parents didn't know because I remember when I had the implant with my arm that my mum, my mum told me about how when she was a bit younger before me, she had the coil and like this like dramatic experience of what the coil used to be like mm. and and, and that and how contraception comes such a long way since then. 
so that because it had come a long way and changed so much they couldn't even educate us on what that was and that's why they're taking us to the doctors do you know what yeah. I mean like because it, it changed so much I remember um, my mum said to me um <laughs> she listens to this podcast so she'll love this <laughs> I remember she looked at me when I, I said to her, I'm going on the pill. And I was going on the pill, actually, because I had really, really painful periods. And I was just like, my back hurt so badly. And I got told by all my friends and by doctors, oh, this will stop that. Yeah. And it and it did. Well, it did because I wasn't Obviously. doing anything for myself. <laughs> she didn't realise at the time. I just went, I don't want to be in pain anymore. And she just looked at me and she just gave me this really stern look. And she went, well don't be fooled you can still get pregnant if you're standing up <laughs> and I went yeah of course mum she went well when we were younger we thought that if you had sex standing up that it was fine and I was like well you were a bit silly then weren't you but now there's girls that would say to us you thought that that's a bit silly yeah but because it's just you learn more as you go on so hopefully people will learn things from us in this series hopefully that they can take forward um whether they're our age or or younger and they're listening in their early 20s and trying to make decisions or late yeah. teens even or they'll turn it off and think I don't want to hear that <laughs> yeah <laughs> all the GPs everywhere are going to be like getting so many questions Mads and Hannah said this who are they like <laughs> yeah who are they are they just like lift weights a little bit and I don't know stand on stage in little sparkly bikinis they're nobody <laughs> but they said listen to this episode halfway through no but I think I think we touched upon a lot here um some obviously we've laughed about some situations and we've covered the very tip of the iceberg on so many different things um I think it's important to say that our plans for everyone listening they're like but what more about this but I need to want more about that and um, we'll we'll touch on everything we have a whole plan um but we got some questions through from people the other day. Um, Mads and I both shared question boxes on our stories and we will continue to do that throughout this series. Um, you don't have to wait for a question box. You can DM us anytime. Um, and we're happy to talk about these things. Again, not experts, but we'll talk about our experiences um, and we're going to get experts on. So if you've got any questions, anything that you have gone through and you want an expert's advice, let us know. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've already got lots of questions and questions from clients because we've been talking about doing this for ages. Yeah. And um, I think the first time we spoke about it, I was kind of inundated with like just sparks of conversations and clients coming to me saying, oh, like, what about this? What about that? And what should I do about this? And how does this affect this? And yeah, we've got a hell of a lot to talk about, I think. And we will try and filter some of these down into maybe like topics because some of them obviously do overlap a little bit um I think we've but, had quite a lot about PCOS haven't we so yeah a lot about PCOS um a lot about as well like about preps and actually reverting it to bodybuilding as well so about how that's managed through prep and then also like people genuinely asking about the pill like mm. like the, like what we've just said like well, okay well why is it bad or what does it do I, I had a question from one of my um one of my girls yesterday who I was talking about trying natural conception and she basically said she can't not take natural, she can't not take contraception because she, um, her normal periods are just so all over the place. She bleeds all the time, like consistently spots and is consistently in pain. So she takes hormonal contraception and it's like, 
okay well that's a bit like what you said Hannah like you start this journey like I'm in pain so I'm going to start the pills it's mm. going to control it but it doesn't fix the problem so I think there's a you lot of those a over yeah. it, you? there's yeah. a lot of those and I think opening that up a little bit and the more people share that story and talk about that I think would just more just like resonate our point I think a little bit more than anything yeah um I think it's going to be really interesting and I and I really hope that people take a lot from it um as Mad says we're going to group these into topics to talk about um if we think that there's something that when we'll share them with the experts and if they want to specifically touch on some topics we'll do that um, in the coming episodes uh, we're going to do a deep dive on our own experiences um bear with us on that because it's it's a little bit it could be a little bit uh emotional <laughs> um definitely it's... emotional i think as well for for um for me this is something i've spoken about previously on instagram but i know for you hannah this is quite like a new topic to talk about and although it's something you've been doing on your own for quite a long period of time now and dealing with and we've spoken about it a lot you've not actually aired your experience fully and actually told people like where you're at so I think that's quite a big deal as well that um, I think people need to respect that as well and understand that a lot has gone into where you are now yeah I think um, there will be people listening to our experiences and it's natural to judge and to have opinions on it um the one thing i would ask is that if you hear us talking about something or you hear us sharing something about someone and we won't name names but if you hear someone's experience um let's all remember that we're here to support each other and that if you have something to share then share it but please do it in a nice way because everyone is going to open up and we just need to all be supportive on here um so yeah that's just my little plea for from the podcast to you guys listening that we just we come together in a nice way to support each other um, because it's it is a tough topic to talk about. Yeah, completely resonate with that 100 percent. I think it's here to give people a platform to share some of their experiences and and we will talk about it and, and try and get some answers for you as well. Like if you've got questions we can't answer. You know, we are going to speak to experts who hopefully can give you some answers. Mm. So do listen out, obviously. And we will be bringing your questions in with these experts. So, yeah, support each other and and just and generally share some love around the topic. I think some people are dealing with like long term implications from this stuff that isn't going to isn't going to change. Um, and some people are just starting out on their journeys, maybe with contraception. And hopefully this will educate them as well. Yeah. And and I'm not here to say no one take contraception. Um it is entirely up to you we just want people to be educated yes okay on that note <laughs> um mads it's been an absolute dream talking to you as always um if anyone doesn't know where to find you where can they hit you up hit me up on instagram at mads.raw um or our raw coaching page and come and drop us a message anything bodybuilding and contraception and period talk I'm very open in the DMs for <laughs> <laughs> amazing um and then you all know where I am so if anyone's got anything they want to talk about um just drop us a message and we're, we're more than happy to talk about it in private um if you want us to air it on the podcast then we will but we'll keep everyone anonymous very much so well thank you Hannah it's been a pleasure episode one lots more to come it's a wrap <laughs> thanks everyone see you later